Fishermen are among the greatest storytellers in the world. Did you hear the tale about the big fish that got away? Many fishermen stand next to their catch and snap a photo as proof their fish story is true. The Bible contains the biggest fish story ever told about a runaway prophet named Jonah who got swallowed by a big fish and lived to tell about it. But is it true? No photos exist of Jonah standing next to the whale that swallowed him. Can we believe Jonah's fish story? Jesus linked his resurrection to Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. God sent the prophet Jonah to deliver a stern message to the rebellious people of Nineveh. Dr. Ron Jones shares their response to that message next on this Thursday edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Today, we return to the book of Jonah and to his warning to Nineveh about the impending consequences of their sin. It's a story of obedience, of repentance, and the God of second chances. Stay with us now or look for us at somethinggoodradio.org. That's where you can listen to the broadcast on demand, on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message. Jonah, the biggest fish story ever told. You know, this guy, he, he's kind of a scary sight at this point. He smells, he's weary, bleach marks. And if that wouldn't repel, you know, the Ninevites from receiving or listening to this guy, his message surely would. He delivered eight words laced with fire-breathing judgment. Chapter 3 and verse 4, he says, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's not exactly the way to win friends and influence people when you're the prophet of God, you know? Maybe we sit down and just have a little conversation. No, nope. he brings the message. Forty days. God gave the Ninevites forty days to get right with him. What would you do if you, you heard a message like that? You got 40 days to get right with God or it's done. Or 40 hours or four hours or four minutes. How would you respond? Well, surprisingly, this is what the Bible says next. You might know the story, but the proximity of verse 5 to verse 4 caught my attention. Here's what it says. And the people of Nineveh believed God. <laughs> 40 days you got, and then judgment. Okay, we believe it. They didn't gather around in small groups and say, hmm, does anybody know who this guy Jonah is? And I'm not so sure about his message. Why, why don't we have a symposium at the local university and discuss this and kind of dissect it and think about it and, and, and maybe do some, maybe write a paper or two about this? Oh, no. They acted upon it immediately. They called a fast they wore sackcloth. Even the king took off his robe and put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then the king issued a royal proclamation urging man, and this is kind of funny, and beast 
to do the same, sit in sackcloth and ashes, a picture of repentance, and quote, call out mightily to God. What a response by the Ninevites. And keep in mind, they are not the Israelites. This is the response that 16 other prophets had hoped that the children of Israel would do. The irony in the story is the least likely people to become followers of Yahweh immediately respond. You know, when the Lord convicts you of something in your life or my life, some area of disobedience, are you that quick to respond? When you hear the truth of God's word, are you that quick to put it into practice? Or do you kind of sit on it for a while? Ah, that's a nice thought. Let's go to Luby's now and have lunch. Maybe discuss this a little bit. No, their, their, their response was impressive. Very impressive. And when God saw how the Ninevites responded, the Bible says he relented of the disaster. He said, okay, deal's off. I, you know, not going not gonna to bring the disaster on the city. Uh, this response by the Ninevites actually uh, marked the second great awakening in the book of Jonah. Uh, the first one had to do with those seasoned sailors that tossed Jonah overboard. They too were pagans, idol worshipers. But that whole experience that frightened the minnows out of them brought them to faith in the one true God. What a story that is in and of itself. Sailors like that are... Yeah, they're, they're, they're hard men, you know? They're, 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 they're seaworthy and weathered and all that kind of stuff. But there was something, a storm that frightened them. Sometimes it's okay to be frightened into obedience. The Bible says we, we serve an awesome God. An awesome God. Um, the second great awakening, of course, is the story of the Ninevites that, again, did what the Israelites, God's chosen people, did not do before the calamity uh, fell upon them. By the way, uh, why, why is this book and this story here? Th this book in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah, is the God so loved the world of the Old Testament. It's that story about, you know, that, 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 that parks the Israelites over here for a moment and says, you know what? This isn't just about the chosen people of Israel. Even back to Abraham, chapter 12, when God called Abraham a pagan out of a pagan country, the Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq. Abraham was no Yahweh lover. He became one. But it was through Abraham that Messiah would come, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, the messianic line. And the Lord said to Abraham, through your descendants, I will bless the world. You read the Old Testament, and, and if we didn't have Jonah, we might think it's all about Israel. Israel was God's chosen vehicle through which Messiah would come. Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, died on the cross for our sins, buried, rose again on the third day. All of that, it came through the Israelites, but it was for the entire world. We're, most of us here are Gentiles. We're not Jewish. It took Peter and the early Christians a little while to understand this. Acts chapter 10 and 11, remember that? I thought it was all about us, God's chosen people. Well, jo Jonah is that book that reminds us God has a missionary's heart. He, he has a heart that loves the whole world 
even the Taliban. You have enough room in your theology for that? If God called you to pack your bags and go to Afghanistan and preach the gospel to the Taliban, would you have a heart large enough and in sync with God enough to go do that? And then if we brought some of those folks back, sat them in our seats, could you call them brother in Christ? No, 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 no. We couldn't do that. Well, Jonah couldn't. In fact, while the Ninevites' response was a cause for rejoicing, Jonah wasn't happy about this. Now we're in chapter 4. He wasn't happy with the positive result of his ministry. Sixteen other prophets had to live with, hey, thus saith the Lord, sorry, we don't want to hear it. Uh, Some of them had very difficult ministry assignments. Jonah preaches an eight-word sermon and gets this kind of response. He ought to be rejoicing. Every week we have a staff meeting. Our ministry staff meets uh, in the early afternoon on Tuesdays. And one of the things that we do every week to begin our staff meeting is we talk about wins and whimpers from the weekend. Okay? And we just kind of pop so- popcorn some of the discussion. We, we, we go around the table and across the swath of our ministry. What are some of the wins? What are some of the whimpers? A whimper is, you know, something that we could have done better. We need to course correct and, and we make some adjustments there. Uh, the wins, of course, are obvious. Uh, when we have salvation decisions, people coming to faith in Christ, ah, it's a big win. We're all excited about that. But if Jonah were in the room on the staff, he would call that a whimper. Oh, the Ninevites, the entire city came to faith in Jesus. He wouldn't last long on my staff. I'd say, out of here. You don't need prophets like you. Yeah. Good thing the Lord is more gracious than I am. But he whimpers. In fact, uh, it says in chapter 4 and verse 1, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. Jonah angry about what? They came to faith. You, you angry because they don't look like you? You, you? you angry because now you have to call these people brother or sister in Christ? Thankfully, this is not true of our church, but I've been in some churches where you kind of get the impression, you know, we don't want people like that sitting next to us in our church. They're not our kind of folk. I've heard that before. Not here, but in some other places. Jonah was angry. Are you, how do you get angry over somebody coming to faith in Christ, even if it was a member of the Taliban? And now, now he's your brother in Christ. God has a missionary's heart. He has a heart the, the size at least of, of the world. God so loved the world. And it includes people who don't look like you and me. Or aren't our kind of folk, right? It's another reason why Jonah is here. It expands our concept of the Great Commission to every tribe and people and ethnicity on this great planet of ours.
We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry, which means we depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a brand new resource from the ministry of Dr. Ron Jones. It's an ebook that goes along with this current series called Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The fifth of eight ebooks in the series is based on the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. And it's our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Jonah, the biggest fish story ever told. But, but chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3, jo- Jonah explains to God why he was upset. Oh, Lord, is this, is not this what I, I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. can't believe he's actually saying this to the Lord. For I knew, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, pitiful pitiful Jonah you got to be kidding me quit your whining interesting the theology here Jonah says I, I knew I knew you would do this I knew that you are gracious and merciful slow to anger abounding in steadfast love I think a minute here this is the Old Testament some people have a, a, a a lopsided view of God and a misunderstanding, even of the God of the Old Testament, that he's stern and harsh and judgmental and rrr. That wasn't Jonah's view of him. He says, I, I, I knew you to be gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Do you know God that way? Or is your picture of him somehow related to some experience or whatever? Uh, Maybe a church that was mean to you or you think was, or your father that was this to you. And so you you have a hard time relating to a heavenly father who, when you get to know him, you'll come to know him as so kind, so gracious, so merciful abounding in so much patience and long-suffering. Well, instead of rejoicing that the Ninevites turned from their wickedness to God, Jonah engaged in a self-loathing, self-pitying, you know, pouting. And as you read on in chapter 4, he took more interest in a growing plant that God in his graciousness caused to grow to provide shade over the pouting prophet's head And then the plant died, and Jonah was, oh, my plant died, my plant died. And the Lord mocks the prophet for his pouting. And then the end of the book, God defends his right to pour his gracious pity upon the Ninevites, the least likely people to come to faith in Christ or to faith in in Yahweh. 
Jonah is truly the biggest fish story ever told. And there are three things that I, I want to share with you just in closing by way of application. This book teaches us, number one, that God's call is irrevocable. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad for a God of second chances? Whatever he's called you to do, he's going to keep coming after you. Um, by wind, by rain, by storm, by whatever means. The hound of heaven coming after us. Whatever it takes to get our attention and to get us to turn toward him. He's created you for a purpose, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Jesus told us, go therefore and make disciples. Okay? That's, that's on all of us. And you're part of that. His call is irrevocable. You can try to run from it, but uh, it'll keep coming back, keep coming back. Secondly, God's presence is inescapable. Jonah tried to run from the call of God, and he thought he could escape the presence of God. I mean, he couldn't in, in 400 miles, maybe 1,400 miles or 4,000 miles. No, he, he would never be able to escape the presence of God. Maybe, maybe along with all the other psalms that he quoted in his prayer in chapter 2, maybe he remembered uh, Psalm 139, uh, a psalm of David beginning in verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in, in Sheol, the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, listen to this, and dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I think David wrote this and was, was encouraged by the reality of God's omnipresence. He's everywhere at all times. You can never escape his presence. But if you're a runaway prophet trying to get away from God, this will dog you. Where can I flee from your presence? I, I can't even go down to uh, the, the, the bottom of the ocean in the deep, dark, swampy belly of a fish and escape you. You're still there. And he is. He's there at that moment of desperation when you say, I have no place to look or go but up. And I cry out in my distress. He's there. And he will hear your prayer. Finally, God's grace is irresistible. Uh, oh, the, the grace of God toward the Ninevites of all people. And uh, the, jo Jonah just, he, he knew this about God. Oh, you're going to send me. And it's just like you, God, to save somebody that I, I think, you know, I, I don't want them sitting in church with me. You know, they smell they're not like us. They're not like me. But you're gracious. You're merciful. He loves the whole world. His grace is irresistible, right? It was irresistible for many of us who at some point in our life, the wretch that we were and are, uh, God found us and we came to faith in Christ. And he's still in the process of cleaning us up making us to be more like his son Jesus, um, making his bride, the church, the bride of Christ, ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Sometimes we got some smudges on our dress and our clothing, and 
Yeah, but but he, he's, he's using us to carry out his purposes. He's sanctifying us. Jonah is, is really for two groups of people, for those who need salvation. Remember Jonah 2 and verse 9. The gospel according to Jonah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Wherever you are, your only hope out of the mess you're in is the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation belongs to him. He's got a plan to rescue you, even from eternal punishment. But Jonah is also for those of us who have trusted Christ and need sanctification. <laughs> Maybe our heart is not as, as wide and as worldwide as God's is. We're more like Jonah than the Lord. Or maybe there are things in our life he needs to clean up and, and ready us and make us even more available for his use. Whatever it is, just know uh, the biggest fish story ever told is a whopper, isn't it? It's a whopper and one that we need to apply to our lives today. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Jonah, the biggest fish story ever told. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, I hear the story of the people of Nineveh, both the severity of their rebellion and the immediacy of their repentance when Jonah confronted them. I can't help but think about the wonderful application for our own lives as believers in Christ. It's great, isn't it, Brian? Such a beautiful portrait of the mercy of God. You know, the thing about this uh, Jonah story is that it reminds us there's no such thing as a lost cause. Now, apart from Christ, uh, we're all lost causes, Brian. All of us are sinners who need a Savior. Uh, we don't have to be mass murderers or rapists or worshipers of Satan to be lost causes. No, every single one of us, apart from Jesus Christ, is lost, a lost cause, we might say. Children of darkness, the devil's inmates. Not just a lifetime sentence either, but an eternal sentence with no chance of parole. But with Christ, there are no lost causes. In our human minds, we may think of a few people we know or a few public figures out there and conclude that there's no way they'd ever come to faith in Christ. Uh, many people would have thought the same of Saul of Tarsus or the Ninevites. Uh, this story here in Jonah and many others throughout Scripture debunk that myth rather soundly. So let me encourage our listeners this way. If you have a son or a daughter, maybe a friend or another family member, a, a co-worker or a next-door neighbor, be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as it concerns having a conversation with them about Jesus. Of course, the Great Commission has no limits, so we've already been invited to take part in sharing the gospel with everyone on earth. But sometimes God may direct you to a specific person, a person that he wants you to personally talk to about the free gift of eternal life. And when he does, it may strike you in fear. You may be tempted to run as Jonah did. Well, I encourage you not to run, but even if you do, once again, I believe you'll experience the mercy of God in your own life the way Jonah did in his. He gave Nineveh a chance at redemption, and God gave Jonah a, a second chance to take part in that redemption. He'll do the same for you. And like Jonah, you may very well be surprised at how the loving arms of the living God can attract even the most hardened of skeptics, what the world would call a lost cause. 
Thanks for that encouragement, Ron. I believe we all know people that we'd mistakenly consider lost causes, so we need these kinds of reminders. Now let's turn our attention to our next stop on Route 66. Tell us where you're headed next time, Ron, as you continue your current teaching series. Well, Brian, our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of Micah. Uh, In our present culture, we hear many cries for social justice. Uh, People are talking about it, protesting, even rioting in the streets in hopes of making societal change. Sounds good, right? I mean, who could argue against the premise of social justice? Well, here in the book of Micah, the Lord calls us to do justice. And what does doing justice look like? How do we achieve it in a righteous, healthy way? Uh, Micah invites us to wrestle with these questions, and he provides the kind of answers that could affect positive change in such a way that honors God. We'll dig a little deeper into the subject next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.